Joining us here for the next several minutes is Michael Anthony. Michael is a popular speaker and a blogger, founder of the National Week of Repentance and senior pastor of Grace Fellowship in York, Pennsylvania. And uh, he and his wife uh, are pretty active in probably a, a number of things. We'll find out about that more as we go along here. But, uh, Michael, first of all, good afternoon. Welcome to Let's Talk. Mark, great to be with you. Thanks for the great program that you have, and hello to the listener audience. Well, I read a, kind of a little interesting background uh, about you, uh, saying that you've survived two, possibly three, kidnapping attempts. Is that accurate? Right. Yes, it is. When did, when did this happen? When I was about four or five years old, I was out riding my tricycle, and uh, my older brother was with me up the road, and a guy pulled up in a car, opened up the door, had sunglasses on, and said, hey, little boy, would you like some candy? Ran away a couple of days later. He came back with a woman, both of them wearing dark glasses, and there was a revolver on the seat. He opened the door and said, hey, get in. And then a few days after that, the police came to my house because my mother had called them. The same guy who was driving the car was carrying a large yellow sack, and he was arrested. Not long after that, we moved. <laughs> yeah, well, as you can imagine. Yeah, probably wise choice uh, to do that. Yeah, huh? yeah. And yep. then, uh, just uh, about nine years ago, you had a battle with cancer, too, right? That's right. That's right. It'll be coming up on ten years in January. That's yeah. right. I had lymphoma, big softball-sized tumor in my chest. So you've had um, some interesting <clears throat> challenges in life just before we get started. So, And part of that, uh, of course, uh, requires courage, but maybe courage of a different kind that we're going to be talking about here uh, this afternoon. Just uh, also briefly explain to our listeners uh, about your God Factor radio show. Yes, it highlights my preaching, my teaching ministry, and uh, it's in various parts of the country. It's an honor to be able to feed people good quality Bible teaching and um, love to do that, love to do that, whether I am trying to teach people through a blog or an op-ed or through preaching the Word or doing an interview like this. It's always a privilege. So how do people connect with you on that? They just would go to couragematters.com, which is our website, couragematters.com, or they can download the free Courage Matters app and just connect with us that way. It's really easy to do. All right. Uh, for several years, three actually, I lived in uh, Dallas, Texas, and uh, I was a member of a, a very large church in uh, Dallas, and my Sunday school teacher was some guy named Zig Ziglar. You ever heard of him? <laughs> Zig Ziglar, one of my favorites. I'm actually looking at an autographed photograph of Zig Ziglar, <laughs> the father of all motivational speaking. And uh, my book is the introduction of my book, A Call for Courage, has a great quote from Zig Ziglar. He's influenced me significantly. The uh, idea that uh, a person uh, can influence another is something I'm going to be talking about with a group of men uh, next month, and it's kind of interesting of how a person uh, uses that influence in a way to actually cause people to change their lives. You actually are trying to do that in your book, A Call for Courage. Would that be an overstatement? No, I, I am. I, I wrote A Call for Courage. It's now out from Thomas Nelson Publishers. The subtitle is Living with Power, Truth, and Love in an Age of Intolerance and Fear. And it was my deep concern, still is a, a deep concern and a passion for what's happening in this country that led me to sit down and write a, what's been called by others a manifesto on how to navigate through the New World disorder that has become the United States. Did George Barna give you an endorsement for this? He wrote the foreword. Yeah. I was very privileged to have George Barna write the foreword. And 
he's a good man. He's a great guy. I really appreciate George and his ministry. Yeah, I've been with him uh, on a couple of occasions. Uh, a very insightful thinker. Okay, so mm-hmm. you're you're very concerned about the way that our country is going. Why do you mm-hmm. think it has moved this direction? I think one of the number one reasons, Mark, is because for people of faith, you know, I'm a conservative evangelical. I pastor a church have a ministry that God has given me that I try to be faithful with. I think for many years we have confused education about the Bible for application of the Bible, and it's not the same thing. For many years I think we have confused uh, as a model for discipleship, uh, teaching people doctrine, teaching people about what the Bible uh, is, what the Bible presents, doctrine, as opposed to putting that doctrine into practice and getting out there, rolling up our sleeves, and helping change the world, being salt and light. Those are active uh, imageries that Jesus provided, being salt of the earth and the light of the world. And so I think in the same way that a person reaps what they sow, so does a nation. And I think that we're now getting our just desserts in a large way in that uh, our our model of stimulating the brain and getting more cramming more information into our craniums uh, the chickens have come home to roost i think we've confused bible knowledge for bible application in in many circles okay but it doesn't fully explain why the church wouldn't be more either responsive or uh certainly engaged in trying to deal with this are we backing away from this problem Oh, well, that's a good question. It's a great question. I think that the the other thing that we've done, I think that we are our own culprits of separation of church from state. You know, on one hand, we, we want to have religious freedom and the free exercise of religion, right? But on another hand, we don't talk about uh, the issues that are happening in society the way we should. We pastors, teachers, Bible teachers, you know, when you think about the New Testament books, the majority of them were written to specific social, political, theological, cultural issues that the recipients were receiving. Ephesians is different than Philippians, is different than Galatians, is different than Corinthians, 1st, 2nd Corinthians, for example. But today, much of the preaching that's taking place is happening in a vacuum. It's as if we're not even paying attention to the wagons that are circling us. Because one of the biggest things that's happening today is people of faith are being targeted with what I call reverse intolerance. Your tolerance is all the rage these days, but if you're a person of faith, we don't want to tolerate you. It's, so it's reverse intolerance. So I think without realizing it, we have given into this idea of don't talk about politics, don't talk about what's happening. But today we have politicians masquerading as pastors and people legislating from the bench, theological issues. So I have a moral and spiritual obligation as a pastor, as every pastor does. We just don't necessarily realize it, to stand up and speak out about these huge theological issues that have been uh, hijacked by politicians in the political realm. We have an obligation before God. Mm. Now, the draft of your book, uh, you noted early on, was actually written in a Pennsylvania cabin. And what I found interesting about this was that you said that you went to work on this as a book project. You didn't have a publisher. You didn't have any agent. Uh, mm-hmm. But you felt that God led you to create this this book yeah. for us. How did you sense that? One day I was in the kitchen uh, next to my wife, and uh, we had had conversations about we felt God was stirring us. We didn't know exactly what that meant. We just felt like something was on the horizon. 
And, of course, if we go back to what was happening in 2016, the uh, climate in the country was not very healthy for a number of reasons, very tumultuous and very uncertain, the future of the country, right? And um, I just felt compelled that I needed to write a how-to handbook yeah, I was listening to talking heads on the radio, watching television, and, and listening to a lot of pastors and communicators. And it seemed like as much they were only willing to go right up to the line and talk about how the country was in crisis. But I wasn't hearing anybody present biblical solutions. And so I turned to my wife. I said, I feel like we're pregnant. She looked at me, and her jaw dropped open. And she said, I do too. And I said, well, not like Abraham. You know, I don't want to relive the life of Abraham. But I felt compelled to go and to write a how-to handbook. And about two weeks later, a couple came up to me at our church unsolicited. They had no idea, unless they had our kitchen bugged. They came up to me and they said, we have a cabin that's not too far from here. It's remote. You could go there anytime you want to to write. I said, man, that's amazing. I'd love to do that. I booked time at the cabin. And then a few days later, I got an unsolicited email from the Live Literary Agency that said, hey, we saw you on CNN. We've listened to your your preaching, read your uh, blogs, your op-eds. We want to know if you've thought about writing a book. Hmm. And so that to me seemed like confirmation. I was going to go away to write a few chapters of a book and a book proposal to get a literary agency. I was now able to skip that step and... A Call for Courage, Living with Power, Truth, and Love in an Age of Intolerance and Fear is now a book that's out by Thomas Nelson, by God's grace. Yeah. Well, we're going to talk more about it coming up here in just a moment. We are going to take a uh, time out. Michael Anthony, our guest, and again, he is a pastor in Pennsylvania. A Call for Courage is the title of this book. Okay, well, when we come back in just a moment, here's where it sometimes gets uncomfortable. When we start mixing our faith into these issues of our day, and how do we balance keeping our central theme of faith focused and not be diluted by the ongoing controversies all around us? Where's the balance in this? We're going to talk about that with Michael Anthony and more coming up in just a moment. You're listening to Let's Talk with Mark Elfstrand on AM 1160. AM 1160. Hi, friends. Mark Elfstrand here. Good afternoon. Thank you for joining us today on Let's Talk. Michael Anthony, my guest, speaker, blogger, founder of the National Week of Repentance, senior pastor of Grace Fellowship in York, Pennsylvania. Also the author of the book, uh, A Call for Courage, Living with Power, Truth, and Love in an Age of Intolerance and Fear. Okay, so so let's talk a little bit about what uh, you say uh, as it relates to a, we need a revolution of humble courage. Explain that. Yes, Mark. Uh, When I did some studies in the Bible about the people that God used consistently, right? God can use anybody as as a one-off, for example. He used Balaam's donkey. It's it's a one-and-done kind of a situation. But in my own life, because of my own failures and my own inconsistencies, I did studies on major characters, looking for some of their personality traits, some of the things that was were in them, looking for, is there commonality? And one of the things that I was struck with was that whenever you see somebody operating with courage, that person consistently, if God was using them consistently, they also were characterized by humility. That humility and courage, they're not antithetical. They're not paradoxes. Oftentimes we think those, we don't think of those two together, especially in our culture in America. 
humility, and courage. But biblically, they always travel together. And so I found a way to be able to refer to that in my own life and to uh, encourage me and other people that I, that I teach in my, my ministry. I use the word courageous humility or humble courage. So if you want to go far with God, humility has to be central to your life. That's the character trait that God finds so desirous, so attractive. And when you're really humble before God, you will be courageous in front of people. And you won't be concerned as much about the opinions of people as you are in being faithful to God. So courageous humility, humble courage, they're wrapped up and inseparable from each other when it comes to living a kind of life that greatly honors God and impacts the world. I I see that you have said that you would define courage as the conversions of truth and love in a divine Mm -hmm. equation. Uh, just, Just amplify that for us. Yes, you know, in Ephesians chapter 4, Paul says, speaking the truth in love, that in the divine recipe of courage or courageous humility, we're not called to speak just the truth, and we're not called to just be loving. In fact, the most loving thing you can do for somebody is tell them the truth when you know what it is. The most unloving, hateful thing you can do for somebody is withhold the truth when you know what it is. And so it's very important for us to not compromise on the truths that God has revealed in his word. If we compromise, then we're acting cowardly. But also we need to be uh, very attentive to how we deliver the truth. Oftentimes it's not what we say, it's how we say it that either makes or breaks the point. And so Jesus is the perfect model for us of always speaking the truth with love and always loving with the truth. So Today we live in a day and age where people mistake tolerance for love. But when you stop and think about it, Jesus didn't tolerate our sin. In fact, he nailed it to the cross. He, the Father nailed our sin to the cross onto Jesus. So we often today, we have a misconception of what it means to love somebody. To love somebody doesn't mean to embrace their behavior or their attitude or their thinking if it's out of line with the truth. To love somebody is to tell somebody the truth. And we can disagree agreeably, but we need to be careful that we don't compromise in the name of something that is not even biblical, right? So truth plus love equals courage. They're very important. Each ingredient is necessary in the divine equation. Let me just play out a scenario here. You probably are familiar with who David Delighton is, are you? You know, I'm not. Okay. I have to be honest with you. Yeah, he's the guy that has secretly recorded the videos of what was taking place at Planned Parenthood and how they would be joking about body parts and yes. things that are sold and so on I've like that. I've seen some of those videos, yeah. yes. Yeah, and he got into some uh, some legal questions, of course, because he had uh, deceived people to get in there and do this, but he exposed what was going on. Now, we all know that media has often going gone into situations where they were deceptive about their purpose, perhaps, but was able, they were able to get some interesting information, maybe helpful information. Uh, David Delighton, I, I believe, is a person of faith. He's trying to speak uh, you know, out to a, a very difficult situation in the culture, but is he doing it the right way? How do, we, how do we make sure we're doing this in a way so that the respect for the faith is kept intact? Excellent question. If, in fact, he recorded people without their knowledge and violated the law, that's a perfect example of a behavior that I don't think the Bible condones. Um, I think that 
there's good that can come out of it in terms of people understanding the underhandedness and the, the lack of respect for human life and human, human dignity. But that doesn't mean that we resort to underhanded or illegal means to obtain that information. I think that integrity and being truthful and living truthfully, living transparently, is something that's very important for the Christian life. So I can't condone uh, secretive means or uh, perhaps illegal means. depends on where those recordings were made. There are laws about recording people that vary from state to state. I can't condone potentially illegal behavior to achieve a greater good, even though God can use that. I think it's very important for us to be um, to be open-handed, to be uh, very transparent, very honest, and to trust God with the consequences as we're, as we're bold, as we're honest and transparent. I think that's part of speaking the truth with love. I think it also requires living the truth and being uh, a person of integrity who walks with integrity. What is the responsibility of pastors uh, to encourage people within their congregation to be more proactive in, in standing up for the faith? I think it's huge. If a pastor does everything else except that, that pastor needs to do some very serious soul-searching before the Lord. We are called to be salt and light. Salt uh, saturates, light penetrates. Those are world-changing terms that Jesus used to describe in Matthew chapter 5, the life of a believer. So the role of a pastor is not to be a sermonizer, it's not to be somebody who simply teaches at a cognitive level, but teaches in such a way that it transforms people's lives, that people actually make different choices to get themselves involved in the culture, in their neighborhood, in their family, at the workplace, uh, in the community, to actually make a difference. So a pastor, uh, Christian leaders, teaching their ministry really needs to be weighed in proportion to how it is or is not affecting the lives of listeners, watchers, viewers, to such a degree that they're actually changing the lives of other people that they encounter. If that's not happening, if that's not happening, then that's a serious problem in the effectiveness of that pastor's teaching and their ministry. In your studies, then, of the Scriptures, aside from the prophets, obviously, who spoke out uh, and spoke truth and you know, I don't, I don't know. I assume that they're in their spirit. They spoke in love, but I don't know. Um, but, but who are the, who would be biblical models of people who, who really lived this out in in your estimation? Well, I think you touched on it with any of the prophets. I think that they were sent by God, and we have the record of their message recorded in Scripture. So. Jeremiah, for example, the weeping prophet, the longest book in all of the Bible, by the way, the mm-hmm. book of Jeremiah. Right. The weeping prophet, a person who faithfully preached the truth. You need to turn to the Lord. You need to repent. And he never saw that repentance in his day, but yet he was faithful to it. And many people listening, you know, you you might be faithful to God, being faithful to what he called you to. You might not see the results that you would hope to see, that you would pray to see. We need to be careful that we don't judge our effectiveness before God based on what we are or are not seeing. We need to trust God and leave the consequences with him. So Jeremiah is a perfect example. Of course, Jesus is the ultimate example, speaking the truth in love without compromise, right? Even though he had every opportunity to even defend himself, he didn't do that when he had the right to do, then the power to do that. Uh, The Apostle Paul, a great example 
in fact, it says to keep me from becoming conceited, there was given given to me a, a thorn in my flesh, you know, a messenger from Satan. And people debate about whether that was a physical illness, an eye problem, uh, whether it was an outright demonic problem. And, and yet we can strain it at gnats and swallow camels. The real issue is that Paul needed to be humble in order to be courageous and to be powerful and effective for God. The apostles are all great examples. Acts chapter 5 where they're strictly told, they're commanded, do not speak any longer in the name of this Jesus. And they say, hey, listen, we must obey God rather than people. They're great examples today for us where we're being so pressured, Mark, whether it's through social media or just conversations at the workplace or in our families, we're being pressured to conform. But Romans 12 says, do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world, Romans 12, 1 and 2 but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. We're living in a day and an age where the opinion of God needs to rise up within us and be our fundamental motivator in in our lives, far above and beyond the opinions of people. All right, so if we take a look at those biblical examples, now bringing it into our modern era, I know that uh, you have very high regard, had uh, certainly for the life of Billy Graham, but but who would you say uh, are, are good examples today of that courageous humility? I think anybody... It can be a housewife, it can be a, a homeschooler, it can be a business person, anybody who is determined to make courage their new way of life, humble courage their new way of life, because courage is not something that anybody's born with. Nobody is born courageous. Any more than somebody comes out of the womb and is able to walk, we learn to walk in the same way we learn to be courageous and what I would say courageously humble. So it's that business person who is willing to take a stand. It's it's um, Jack Phillips, who recently took a stand, um, who lovingly took a stand where he said, you know, I'm going to be violating my faithfulness to Jesus and my faithfulness to what the Bible teaches about the sanctity of marriage if I try to condone something that the Bible speaks against in terms of same-sex unions. There's a guy who was humble as he did it, uh, Sweet Cakes by Melissa, the Oregon bakers who did the same thing. They had served people repeatedly, uh, same-sex couple. They had served them repeatedly for a number of years and then were uh, forced to make a couple, make, make a, a wedding cake that was, uh, she felt, rightly so. They felt that it violated their faithfulness to Jesus. And in none of those cases were, were they trying to impose their view on the same-sex couple. They were simply saying, listen, we would be obeying people rather than God to do that. They are godly examples of people who were, were willing to be courageous and humble before God at the expense of tremendous backlash. Jack Phillips, by the way, Masterpiece Cake Company, I, I talk about it in my book, A Call for Courage. You know, people don't understand this. He was forced by the lower court to undergo reorientation training, him and his 80-some-year-old mother. They were supposed to go through reorientation training, and all of their records for two years were going to be evaluated by the court system. You know, this is not Germany that we're living in, you know, the days of Hitler. This is not communist Russia or China that we're living in. We live in the United States of America, and yet this had been decreed by a United States court until the U.S. Supreme Court just sent it, you know, reversed it, uh, thankfully, at least temporarily. 
in this situation because Jack Phillips could still undergo the same type of a decision if somebody if he did the same if he made the same decision he could be back in court again there wasn't a final decision determined by the Supreme Court that's that's concerning well I I tell you just uh, from my observation of uh, culture I, I I think people who have you know you watch protest marches here in Chicago and uh, they can they can get thousands of people out to protest things that uh, you know, they think in the very worldly sense are wrong with our culture. Uh, I, I don't see people of the faith rallying uh, for things like Jack Phillips or others, and it's, mm-hmm. it's, it's almost like an apathy. Uh, yeah, you know, I'm just on to other things, and, and maybe it's mm-hmm. just a, a, a really a dark sign of where we are in our culture. I'm not sure. So, Well, I think, unfortunately, our social media world has fostered this uh, dysfunctionalism, this uh, spiritual ADHD, so to speak, where we cannot focus on an issue long enough to be able to to follow through on faithfulness to it. So we move from headline to headline, story to story. We can see a big headline today, a major story in the news today, and tomorrow we're on to something else. Yeah. And it's very concerning because it means that we are not being led by the Holy Spirit and we're not being concerned as disciples who are who are called by God to change the world, salt and light, we're allowing ourselves to be distracted by lesser things. And in the eternal scheme of things, there's going to be a huge price to pay for that. Well, we're going to invite our listeners, if they'd like to follow up on this discussion, to connect with you on the web at couragematters.com, couragematters.com. I would imagine they could order the book right there off the website. Yes, true? they can. Yeah. They can. They can get it at Amazon.com as well, Barnes & Noble, Books A Million, ChristianBook.com. All they need to do is type in A Call for Courage, put my name in there, Michael Anthony, and we uh, enable people to get autographed, personalized copies at CourageMatters.com, too. So I'd be glad to uh, get some personalized copies out to people. Just let us know the name. There's a form there. It's easy to do, and a huge blessing to be able to do it as well. All right. Well, it's uh, been an interesting conversation. Uh, Thanks for giving us uh, your time this afternoon, and I hope you just have a good rest of the week in beautiful Pennsylvania. Well, Mark, it's a pleasure. Thanks for your great work, and thanks for the opportunity to be able to chat. Appreciate you. Certainly so. Michael Anthony. We'll take a time out, friends. I'll tell you what's coming up next in just a moment.